Tonight's sermon text is Psalm 139. Psalm 139, for the chief musician, a psalm of David. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before And laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, Even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men, for they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies." Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. Open your word to us in the preaching and hearing of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So we begin there in verse 1. Lord, you have searched me and known me. This book is largely about God's omniscience, but a specific type of knowledge of all knowing, a personal knowing of his people and God's ordaining of all that comes to pass. He knows all. He is everywhere at once. And he created us. In verse two through four, you know, my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Consider Proverbs 25, 3. As the heavens for height 
and the earth for depth. So the heart of kings is unsearchable. Then how is King David writing that even his heart was laid bare before God? We serve an all-knowing God. In Romans 8, 26 through 27, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So truly, the Holy Spirit is our helper. He knows better how to pray for us than we ourselves know. Matthew Henry says, There is not a word in my tongue, not a vain word, nor a good word, but thou knowest it altogether, knowest what it meant, from what thought it came, and with what design it was uttered. But he knows more than the spoken word. Henry goes on, There is not a word at my tongue's end, ready to be spoken, yet checked and kept in, but thou knowest it. When there is not a word in my tongue, O Lord, thou knowest all. For thoughts are words to God. Verses 5 and 6. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Turn to Psalm 131 next door. A very brief psalm. You see, it's labeled as a song of ascents of David. The, song of, the songs of ascent were those that were sung by pilgrims on their way up, upwards to Jerusalem, ever ascending. So when you consider the subject matter of these three verses, you see that David is truly humbled by his Lord. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty. Neither do I concern myself with great matters, nor with things too profound for me. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. See, David knew that there was more to worship than simply, simply ascending higher to Jerusalem that he must bring a calmed and quieted soul to worship. And I would ask and challenge each one of us to come that way to worship every Sunday as a quieted child, ready to be taught. The idea of not concerning yourself with great matters is also seen from Paul in Romans 12.3. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Verses 7 and 8 in our text. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. In Psalm 33:13 through 15, it says, The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. 
From the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions their hearts individually. He considers all their works. Heaven is where he views us from while also being here with us. But consider the depths of the earth where David recognizes he cannot escape from the Lord. Consider Jonah's own plea in chapter 2, 1 through 6. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly, and he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought, my, brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple, even from that depth. Now, if this reference to hell is actually a reference to hell itself, rather than just the lower parts of the earth, sinners would do well to know that even the grave does not shield men from God's justice. Continuing in verses 9 through 12, If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. The night is as day to God. But there's another kind of disguise that Matthew Henry reminds us is equally useless in hiding from God, that of hypocrisy. No hypocritical mask or disguise, how specious soever, can save any person or action from appearing in a true light before God. Secret haunts of sin are as open before God as the most open and barefaced villainies. text verses 13 through 16 we read for you formed my inward parts you covered me in my mother's womb I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed And in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Abortion is evil because it is murder. Man fancies that he has found out all there is to know about life and death. He can see into the womb, but he cannot see into the secret counsel of the Godhead in eternity, in which God ordained each life and in time looked upon the living substance of each, forming their parts inward and outward.
Verses 17 and 18 of our text. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If not one sparrow escapes the thoughts of God, how much more extensive must God's thought be to those he died to save? In fact, the reference to sand means they are innumerable. He can count the hairs on each of our heads, but we cannot fathom the number of his thoughts toward us. Jeremiah 29, 10-14 regards his thoughts to us for a specific purpose. Jeremiah's prophetic word to God's people reads, For thus says the Lord, After seventy years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. Now, these next verses... 19 through 22 are best understood as imprecatory verses, words of righteous cursing and judgment by Christ as judged upon the damned sinners on the last day. There is an anger for us that is righteous, but we would do well to leave judgment to God lest we be caught in sin ourselves rather than loving our enemies and praying for those who persecute us. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men, for they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? Do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. And finally, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Here David almost resignedly concludes, there is no escaping God's presence, sight or hearing, knowledge or love. And the reader is meant to plainly see that David wasn't really trying to escape God's attention. Rather, here he throws himself into God's arms, pleading to be searched inward and outward, desiring to be known and even tried in the courts of his creator and savior. For he knows that the savior alone can purge his guilt and lead him in the way everlasting. And for our hymn of response, let's stand and sing hymn number 188.